The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Let me tell you about who deserves a shot at the United States Heavyweight Champion. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to the WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, L. Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler. You're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any Whoa. reason. Wait a minute. L. Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but thank goodness sakes, it's 50 pounds Who different. are you to, to, to doubt L. Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious how about, contenders. How about hypnosis? Let's get thrown Psychosis? Psychosis? Whatever, whatever. He's a great wrestler, you know. Hello, and welcome to the WrestleCast. I'm Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my raw-ass correspondent, Mr. Samuel Kalum. What's going on, Sam? Howdy, howdy, everyone. They closed my favorite Chinese place, and I'm crushed. <laughs> um, hopefully, you can find a, a second one. You're just going to have to, you know, move around the city a little bit. Uh, I'll have to venture out a little bit. Yeah, there you go. And tonight, we're joined by a very special guest. She's known as the Duchess of Tech. She's one-third of the Fan Bros Podcast. It's Tatiana King. Hello, Tatiana. Hey, guys. What's up? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. This has been like four years in the making. <laughs> I know, no, Don, I know. Don, Don, Don always asks me, when are you going to get Tatiana on? I'm like, oh, yeah, calm down, calm down. Eventually, eventually. I'm, I'm a good, uh, Sam's a good buddy of mine. Um, talked a lot about wrestling in the past, and he's been very supportive through my journey with Fambro, so really appreciate him having me on the show tonight. All right. So let the people know right off the top where they can follow you and listen to the podcast. You can follow me on most social medias under at Tatiana King, T-A-T-I-A-N-A-K-I-N-G. And you can listen to the podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere except for Tidal. All right. And since you're a very first-time guest on the WrestleCast, just like all first-time guests, we have to get your origin story with professional wrestling. So, like, who started, you know, who you watch growing up, who started... You know, mm-hmm. got you into wrestling. Some of your favorites throughout the you know years. To right. your story. Funny enough, it actually started with my grandmother and my mom. Um, growing up, like my grandma would always, always watch wrestling. Well, it was with WWF at that point, but we always watched that. She was always like really into Hulk Hogan, and like I didn't realize how much she really knew about it. Like, if I really think about it, my grandma was pretty much a mark. Uh, I didn't like realize it until like when I got older, but she, she paved the way for me, I would say, because it would kind of almost be a family thing. Like they would always gather around and watch like the entire show, get really into it, super hyped up whenever you would see Hulk come out and, you know, do his thing. Like they would, they would get like physically into it, like screaming, jumping up and down, like as you would see the, the WWE universe behave now. So me being a kid you know I was like well what are they getting hype about what are they excited about why is this so cool so I would sit down with them and watch and just seeing all the different wrestlers with just their costumes um when I came up like when I first first watched it it was like it was mid 90s so there was still a little bit of the old school WWF stuff going on so you still see a little bit of the um Damn, who was there during that time? Like you saw, you still saw like kind of old school Undertaker, lots of that stuff. So seeing these larger than life characters with, again, their costuming, with their taglines, with their music, with their dramatics, especially backstage segments, 
that really got me into it because I liked the theatrics of it. I thought it was cool. And then on top of it, they were wrestling. They were doing something that that required a lot of physicality. Uh, and then, of course, I, I thought it was really happening. I thought people were really getting blown up in cars. I really thought people were, were dying, falling off of jumbotrons and whatnot. So it, it was just exciting for me. So when I really was doing it, watching it really strongly on my own, I would say it was right around, like right at, in the middle of the Attitude Era. So I was there like watching where you, you had like DX coming out crazy. You had, you had China popping out. You had um, just like that whole, you know, The Rock, of course. You just had that whole golden era. And I know like that's the only era everyone always like fawns over. But that's like really the time where it, it, it mattered the most to me when I was a kid. It really added on a, a depth to my understanding of geek culture, of pop culture, and seeing how the entertainment could be could be formed in a different way. Like wrestling, as you know now, it's, it's, it's entertainment. At the same time, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of passion and it's a lot of time and energy put into it. So it was something that I ended up admiring. Like I admired the wrestlers. I admired the fact that, you know, thought went into, when I realized it was scripted, that thought went into the writing, thought went into the, you know, all the kayfabes and all that. So I, I was really, it was just something that, that I, I thought was almost miraculous in a way. Like how did you decide to get these people together and create this world out of nothing? So that's pretty much my origin story. Uh, dirty little secret. Just about everybody's grandma. If they were <laughs> like, if their grandma's in her like sixties or seventies now, they're pretty much were a mark for wrestling. I never knew that. Like I, I like I always thought I was just like, is this just my grandma? But as you say, like I, I guess that's more common than I thought. <laughs> I right. had no idea because I guess you know it was like the soaps during the week and then the wrestling shows on the weekend for those women who were just moms and stayed at home and you know TV in that era. So yeah, yeah well, when you put it like that, it makes sense because as dramatic as WWE really was with all the side stories and all the valets and all the fights and when you think about it, it really was its own soap opera. So I get it now; it makes sense. Right, right. So we were very honored to have you here on the WrestleCast for the few minutes that we do have you. So we're not going to hold up things. So, Sam, get into Monday Night Raw from Miami. Okay. Monday Night Raw. Brock Lesnar is in the building. Roman Reigns comes down to cut a boring 20-minute promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, talks smack about Brock Lesnar. He can't show up to work, but he can show up to UFC to hang out with Daniel Cormier. Paul Heyman comes down, congratulates Roman on his victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, blah blah blah. He says, he says that he's just been running in circles and still trying to knock off Brock. He says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And for the record, that is not the definition. <laughs> is it not? It <laughs> is not the definition of insanity. That's just something everyone likes to say because it sounds cute. Right. So Roman tells Paul to shut up and to bring Brock Lesnar out. Paul says his client is in the building and he will come out when he feels like it. Not a moment before. Roman says he won't show up here but he hopes he does show up at SummerSlam because he's not going to back he's not going back as the beast he's going back as Roman Reigns <laughs> god I don't like Roman Reigns oh my god okay, right. so so hold on you can't just throw that out there and then move on. <laughs> tell us why not as a person not no, as no, the no, individual no, no, no. I know as the, uh, the character the wrestler the guy yeah, the man the yeah. big dog yeah tell us well, why yeah 
Well, I, I want to make that distinction because I, I do that. This I make that distinction on our show. Um, you know, just like with actors, they play a role, and you say you don't like X, Y, Z role, and that's fine. But they're, they're two different people. But yeah, I don't like Roman Reigns as a. They've been trying for like a hundred years to get him over. Um, he's so corny. He's just and not in a kind of lovable Boy Scoutish kind of way. Just like a bro, you're mad corny. You're trying too hard kind of way. It's they they to me they constantly shove him down everybody's throats like they, they try they to me they tried everything except for make him like straight up hill heel which probably would be the best to me but um he's just his my skills to me are still subpar they've improved from the, from their worlds away from where they were back when he first debuted but it's still subpar. <laughs> And he's not exciting to me. I don't like his his move sets, boring. His his just everything about him is just is nothing entertaining for me. At least he's not telling stories anymore about like Jack and the Beanstalk or oh whatever the god, hell like dude. Okay, you're the big guy. Congratulations. Like let's move on, dude. Well, uh, he's WWE always has this thing where they catch on to people like six months too late, and then when they caught yeah. on to Roman, he got injured with that appendix and he got taken out the spot and then unfortunately during that time Daniel Bryan came back into the spot and then when Daniel Bryan didn't win oh god Rumble, that, that just was, sealed his fate was, right there yeah yeah that's like you, to me we know this already lots of times WWE commits self-sabotage um, they've gotten better with it over the last couple of years I would say but really really like around the time with the shield all that came out they they became experts at self-sabotage on a higher level than I've ever seen before in my life. And that was one of the ways that they've really ruined his brand before it even became the brand. That was around the time when they stopped letting the crowd dictate who was who. And they were like, if we didn't plan it, it ain't going through. Yeah. Which I understand. At the end of the day, they have a show to run. This is a business. And they have a, a writer's room and a group of people controlling things for a reason. Vince is going to be Vince, and that's just how it is. So I get it to a degree, but I also understand that not everything's best for business. And right. you end up with these, these I don't know, these wraiths like Roman Reigns that just aren't there. The business <laughs> is different, though, because what happens now is they don't have to sell anything. They yeah. don't have to sell any tickets. They could wrestle out there in front of an empty arena, and anymore. as long as it's on USA, they got their money. When it goes to Fox, the same thing. They got their money. They don't have to worry about trying to sell advertising or any of that stuff anymore. So their whole business has changed up, and I think it makes you know, the people making the stars less important now than it ever did before. Because before, people didn't watch. They didn't get their money. Yeah, yeah, it's built-in audience, built-in, um, what I'm trying to say, built-in, like, framework, as to your point, this they don't really have to try, but at the same time, they do, because you still are trying to, for a show, for a, a, a machine that, as far as I know, is going to last forever until everybody gets blown up, you still got to try to figure out ways to bring in the new generation, as well as not completely uh, leave behind the, the people who've been there for from the beginning. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to balance and there's ways to do it as long as you have an innovative mindset, as long as you are as a business 
always looking for ways to improve and not just be stuck doing the same things. All right. So it shows Seth Rollins backstage. And now uh, I might get an earful for this because you are the, uh, the Duchess of Tech. But all I learned from this is that Seth has horrible taste and portable audio that would use AirPods. <laughs> Well, the AirPods are apparently um, are one of the best sound quality when it comes to really? earbuds. But that said, I, I I still hate them just because they look like Q-tips to me. They look like floating Q-tips. And I always thought that they were the same, the same as the other ones. They're just wireless. They are. It's literally the earbuds you have in your ear now if you have them just with no wire there. Yeah, those and are not good. <laughs> those are not good, but but the AirPods actually are um, actually highly rated. That being said, I, I, they still bother me. I literally feel like you put a Q-tip in your ear and you just left it there. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's you really tell somebody, bro, bro, you gotta get the, oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, but, I see, but you know, whatever, to each his own. I guess. Uh, basically, Brock Lesnar is reading a copy of The Backwoodsman. Now, I, I actually looked this up because I, I was curious. <laughs> it is a real magazine. It's a I was gonna ask. Magazine. It is real. It from home what now. is it about? It is dedicated to preserving old frontier living. You know, churning butter, making fire with the sun, catching your own dinner. Well, that makes sense because isn't he a farm boy? So, oh, yeah. yeah, he is. He is that type. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he lives in like the edge of Canada. So, yeah, he brought it from home. He didn't. Even, they didn't have to have that mm-hmm. on deck. He just brought oh, it on the. It wasn't a prop. It was real. Yeah, <laughs> it was probably his prescription. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've I've always, especially when he 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 came back for the last few years, I always have an affinity for for Brock and his trolling. It's like clear what I, what I like about the whole Brock and Paul Heyman situation or or um, partnership, and the way that that whole thing works is because it's literally there's no veneer there. It's like Brock signed a contract to do whatever he wants, and then he goes about his days or wherever he decides to show up on Raw doing whatever he wants. It's like straightforward. He does. He does what he does. There's some comedy there. Of course, you have the Paul Heyman, you know, saying all the things that that are just hilarious, and and it works. Like it's just, it's not. It's it's a it's a non gimmick. It's a gimmick that's not a gimmick. It's just what it is. So I think I, that's why I appreciate it the best. All right. So I took a look at their website. Uh, and see from their website, the July August issue of the Backwoodsman. It includes oh personal safety tips for short hikers. <laughs> Catch and release, boat fishing, how to quote unquote bug out or hunker down, <laughs> stitch on the side, slipper moccasins, keeping chickens wood loafer style, and the desert rate survival gun. There's also an upcoming rendezvous, details coming soon. Do you think Brock Lesnar would show up for that? Are they going to put Brock Lesnar on the next cover? <laughs> they might as well because he's probably <laughs> sold more subscriptions for them than they ever had. I'm telling you, man, I didn't even know it existed until you just said it. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I think they barely knew it was in existence. <laughs> so Paul appears. He asked Brock if he heard what Roman said. He said, "No, he doesn't watch the show." He's a smart man, Brock Lesnar. I, I wish I didn't have to watch the show either. He said he doesn't watch the show. He, said he doesn't watch the show. <laughs> that's, like, that's brilliant. Like, come on, that's brilliant, and it's probably one thousand percent true. It's actually true because, like, he doesn't watch anything. Even like when his friends are on UFC, he doesn't watch the show. He has friends to call him and tell him, "Hey, right. so the match is on now." And he watches his friends' matches. Yeah, and, and furthermore, and why would he? Why would he? That's so off-brand for him to care. So why would he now? Right. So uh, Paul tries to load up the audio from his phone and heads it to Brock. Brock looks at it like it's a vote for Obama bumper sticker. And he chunks it against the wall. 
<laughs> it goes back to reading how to fabricate clothing and other gear necessary for frontier life. Can't be damaging Paulie's phone. That's the gimmick. Well. <laughs> he just took his whole gimmick, right? <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't pull out like the big brick afterwards. Like, oh. <laughs> right. Always got to have a spare. See, you, you can't throw that against the wall and break it. Those things are unbreakable. <laughs> All right, so Finn Balor versus Constable Corbin. Corbin is wrestling in his TGI Friday uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate Baron Corbin. Go ahead. It's just boring Corbin. He puts me to sleep. Like I swear. I just don't like his face. Very punchable <laughs> face. Very punchable face. <laughs> Never liked him. So they, they had a pretty good match actually. Baron actually holds his own. I'm really surprised. Uh, lots of good stuff happens. Uh, you see some fighting on the outside. Finn tries with a coup de gras. Corbin rolls away and hits the end of days for the victory. I saw he, he did a choke breaker. That's what it's called. A choke slam into a bank breaker, which is really nice looking. Oh, wow. I don't ever want to see Baron Corbin have a 22-minute match ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. He did a, oh, he did a pivot. There were a lot of rest holes. There was that. He did only you, knows one four, rest hole. <laughs> there was four times that they stopped for a rest hole. Wow. No, do you not? Uh, uh, not, do you not like Baron Corbin like that either, or you just no, like Baron, what is it about him? He's okay, but he don't. And he's not good enough to to have a twenty minute match. Twenty minutes, yeah, and not with Finn. And yeah, and the way that Finn's ice cold right now, to me, I thought that match was really boring. It was like, wow, y'all just screeched this to a halt. I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Oh well. When the action did get good, it did pick up, but there were there was too much resting. Uh, Corbin goes to leave, changes his mind, beats up Finn, and leaves him lame. Kurt Angle confronts Paul Heyman backstage. Kurt tells Paul that <clears throat> Brock has a contractual obligation to appear. Paul says the moment he walked in, he fulfilled his obligation. If he wants, he can just go down the hall and tell him himself. Kurt says that Paul is under contract with WWE as well, and if he doesn't get Brock to come out, he will be in breach. This is dumb. Do you know why? In storyline, Paul is paid by Brock to advocate for him, meaning right. negotiate on his behalf with contracts and stuff. Him being a WWE employee is a huge conflict of interest. Yeah, of course. And it's unfortunate. It's thing I've ever heard. Brock but I mean, Paul Heyman when... out here looking for a burner phone. That was a whole trap. <laughs> whole promo. But you, when... gotta get, you, you gotta get that track phone. But when was logic ever a factor in WWE? Never. So Never. That's it's on brand. <laughs> they, they, need, they could seriously use like three people. And all they do is quality control. Like, okay, here's the script. Okay, you want to change it? Okay. What are they, script supervisors? Like yeah, the ones that go back and like, yeah, okay, stop. This, this, this. Does this make sense? Does that make sense? This is what happened last week. This is what happened three weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, make it all yeah. line up. Well, they're, they're trying. I said it's not as bad as it used to be. They but... just don't have any wrestling people doing it. I don't know why Vince thinks that these well, you know kids what? who What's... don't watch wrestling are good for his show it's not, it's not so much that it's like okay like people like what is his freaking name um he was archibald peck in chikara he's now a writer in wwe and he's he is a, he's a pretty good he, he's a pretty smart wrestling mind yeah but then, I mean, at the end of the day Vincent man is like no i don't like this here this is how i like it that's what i'm thinking like i have a friend who he's he's watched wrestling all his life so he's huge and he's just recently joined but because he's technically like a junior writer is but so much say he has and things and right. you're still at the point where you're just trying to build yourself up to the point where you can make yeah. the decisions and well, exactly yeah, what sam right. says i just feel like day, it's his decision yeah. Oh, yeah oh yeah we know there's only one editor regardless of how good it is if jay jonah like jameson it, like it. 
<laughs> he wants pictures of Roman Reigns. Yeah, man. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so Alicia Fox is backstage doing some squats. Wow. <laughs> you too. Most of the people who listen to this show don't like Alicia. Alexa approaches. You you know what's so sad about her? She's always been a good worker, but it's just like, I don't care. I don't care. It's it's, the way she's been billed all these years, the way that she's been written. And she's just, she's just in the wind. Like every time I see her, it's just some other foolishness that she's, she's peddling. And I understand that you, I guess you you have a job to keep. And so you're just going to do what feels right. Like to me, she's one of those lifers. Like, um, yeah. Definitely. Like, like uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. I don't know why I, I, I lost his um, name, but she's one of those lifers who are just there to be there. And it's like, okay, well, if you want me to dress like a chicken, like, well, damn it, I'm gonna do buck, it. Buck. Like, right? Buck, buck. <laughs> but, but it's just like that's just so sad to me. So, yeah, I, I don't, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'm not a Alicia Fox fan. Alexa approaches and approaches her and says that Mickey was injured last week, so Fox has been handpicked to replace her. She calls Ronda an overpriced rookie who will be in Maddie's corner. Alicia shouldn't worry about it, though, because Alexa has it under control. She puts Alicia over as a pioneer of the women's division and says she has a chance tonight to make even more history. Alicia, now get this. She, Alicia says she's going to hurt Maddie so bad that her cats will say, me, ow. Get it? Get it? Oh, uh-huh. kill me now. No, 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 no. Please botch. Alicia botch. Please. Alicia botch. Okay, so Alicia Fox versus Natalia and Natty comes out. Of course, her valet needs her own entrance. The match begins. They wrestle for a while. Alicia spends a lot of time drawing with Rhonda. Alicia hits her beautiful Northern Light suplex. She taunts. Uh... What did I write, Rosie? She writes. She taunts Rhonda after a two count. Alexa attacks Natty. Rosie, Rowdy. Her... <laughs> Rowdy, Rosie. Alicia hits her with the mafia kick and gets the victory. So, would this be a distraction? Uh, yeah, technically, because um, Natalia was was looking at uh, Alexa and Ronda on the outside. So that's a distraction finish. Mm-hmm. Take a drink. Take your drinks. <laughs> so after the match, Ronda goes after Alexa and gets her alone in the ring. She beats her up, gets her in an arm bar. Alicia kicks her off. Ronda rebounds. She hits a swinging DVD on Alicia. Alexa tries to run away, but Ronda catches her. Alicia shoves Ronda into the barricade, and she and Alexa leave. Uh, backstage, Paul and Brock are, are in the locker room. Brock is reading another magazine, American Frontiersman. I didn't look this one up. Really. He has so much reading time. Right? So Paul is talking. Brock doesn't care. He says he doesn't give a crap about the WWE Universe. He'd much rather be at home on his couch. He asked him to get a steak, medium well, baked potatoes, steamed broccoli. I don't think that would be good with medium his Medium well? Okay. Diverticulitis. Well, that's the reason why it's medium well, because he oh, had okay. the diverticulitis. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. I see. I don't know. Got it. I'm not a. I'm not a medical. Person. <laughs> uh, backstage, Ronda wants Alicia Fox. Kurt makes the match for next week. Wait, what? <laughs> this is what they set up for next week, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Ronda. It's Ronda Rousey's first match on Raw with Alicia. It was supposed to be Mickey James, but Mickey James got hurt, so they had to kind of okay. Because I was like, that didn't sound right to me at first. Okay, all right. I knew something changed. All right. That's so the drifter, yeah. The drifter mm. comes out. Bob interrupts. He says he wants a front row seat to whatever the drifter has to say. Uh, the drifter says that Bob doesn't just want to walk with Elias; he wants to sing with Elias. Uh-huh. 
with two start with Rock and Robin, Bob sings the chorus, and the director attacks. The director berates Bob on the mic, giving him enough time to recover. Bob strikes and hits a huge belly to belly suplex on the drifter. So, more on this Don't as it develops. Ever let Bobby Lashley have an open microphone ever again. <laughs> <laughs> He's like one for three on promos. You didn't even know the words to Rock and Robin. Dude, it's Google is free. It's all day. You got all day around the building. You got like a seven minute segment with Elias. He brought Elias down. It was awful. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who's worse on an open mic. Bobby Lashley or Titus? Ooh, don't talk. Oh, come on now. Titus is fam. Because at least Titus gets get some good jokes in. So Bobby's just not. Nah. take Titus because he flattens holes. Let's see here. Constable Corbin runs into Kevin Owens. Kevin congratulates him for his victory over Fanny. He offers him a towel and a bottle of water. He includes that Corbin is now his son's favorite wrestler, and he too walks around like a TGI Friday's bartender. He didn't say that. I, I said that. Okay. <laughs> I don't he recall. Looks <laughs> he looks up to Corbin as a male authority figure. Corbin says he aspired. He is, no, he doesn't actually say this either, but he might as well have said he aspires to inspire. Uh, KO is worried that Braun could cash in the money in the bank before Owens has a chance to win it. Corbin says, hey, that's Angle's problem, not mine. And he just leaves. Braun Strowman versus Jinder Mahal. Jinder starts his mantra. Braun shows Mahal and shares his own mantra. KO appears, takes the briefcase. Strowman goes after him. Jinder wins by count out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this was like a waste. <laughs> this, is te- this is already a throwaway like episode of Raw. <laughs> From early on. Corbin, yeah. From the beginning. Constable Corbin walks up to Kurt and hands him a cell phone. phone. Wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, and he hands him a phone to talk to Stephanie. They talk about protecting the SummerSlam main event, but there has to be some other way. In the locker room, Mojo Raleigh berates the entire job squad for being complacent. Uh, Bobby Roos there as well. I didn't know that. The two jaw for a while, and then they get into it. The refs and suits, including five-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion Power Plan up. Power plant alone, former Lieutenant Commissioner of Ring of Honor, Adam Pierce, and they pull him apart. Yikes. <clears throat> Occam versus Apollo Cruz. Meh. Apollo wins with a schoolboy, nothing to see. What they just completely ruined him. I was gonna say, what happened? Uh, like, they was, brought uh, him up too soon. He needed to stay in NXT when NXT was getting yeah. high. It could have been built around him. Yeah, do you think, like I was going to say, do you think it's just like a developmental thing, or is it just because they, they don't have the right direction? They what you're saying it. makes sense. Yeah, they, One, he wasn't ready to come up. Two, they brought him up with no plan for him. And three, he doesn't, he smiles too much. He's too nice. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have <laughs> so, any discerning <laughs> things to make you like really get behind Apollo Crews. He's got no cool to him. He's a good wrestler. When he gets in the ring and starts yeah, wrestling, he's, he's dope as a wrestler. But this is WWE, and the E stands for entertainment. Yeah, you basically said uh, all of the above is the reason why he doesn't work, and it's your and it's his fault. <laughs> That's what you said. Right? Wow. Well, in this era, you can't break out. You can't. You can't be Stone Cold and say this fucking ringmaster shit sucks. I'm gonna sit home <laughs> and think about it for about two weeks, and I'm gonna come to you with this. You can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't happen anymore. Not with not with the amount of money that they got struggling at the at the moment. Right. So Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. This would have been a good match until Dolph Ziggler fucked up everything for everyone. Oh, and there 
is uh, Seth Rollins with a chop to McIntyre. Rollins going to have to use his speed advantage over McIntyre, but even with Rollins, it's not that much. The hybrid athlete McIntyre is... Uh-oh. Oh, my God. McIntyre, what a suplex. And Rollins just rolls wisely to the bottom rope to try to get out of harm's way, but Seth is hurt. That's why McIntyre likes to refer to himself as a hybrid athlete, a deadly combination of speed, power, accuracy. Speaking of combination, I dare you to find me a combination of two guys, two superstars. Oh, oh look out! Suicide dive! Nope. McIntyre caught Rollins and spine first into the barricade! Drew saw him coming. Modified spine buster by McIntyre. Oh, no, no, no. no. And Seth tried. Oh, no, 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 no. They have the exposed steel. The steel. Oh, my God. Into the throat of Rollins. McIntyre looking to terminate Rollins tonight. Uh-oh. Trying to get Drew McIntyre off his feet. McIntyre, though, reversed one time, knee to the side of the face, and now Drew McIntyre, Rollins, to wow. the roll. Into the back of the incredible. A counter by Rollins. Is it enough to put McIntyre away in a kick out at two? I don't think he had his shoulders down, however. We are seeing Seth Rollins dig way deep into the uh, box of tricks in his repertoire because he understands in order to beat a Drew McIntyre, he's going to need every single one. And Rollins has been in the ring with McIntyre before and looking uh, oh kick right to the midsection Rollins perhaps looking oh look at oh, this guy buster he caught wow. McIntyre cover is it enough here and Rollins stays in it at two oh. McIntyre elbow to the side of the face of Rollins oh, no, and now no, we've seen this 5 265 pounder looks to put Rollins away Rollins though incredible core strength rolls through shoulders down for McIntyre and an air fall One, but he hit the stop, Corey. He hit the stop. There was no way that Dolph Ziggler was going to allow that to happen. That's obvious. And now Rollins takes down Ziggler. And now Seth Rollins fighting for all he's got. And an elbow by Ziggler catches Rollins again. And Rollins, who just went through this grueling matchup, is now having to fight back against Ziggler. Oh, and the Intercontinental Champion set to the floor. Here comes Rollins. Rollins going to fly. Down goes the champion. Here is your winner by disqualification, Seth Rollins. The grit and determination of Seth Rollins. They changed the name of these, put the, the curb stomp to the blackout. Well, yeah, Why? Because the curb stomp has a negative, negative connotation. Yeah. And the blackout doesn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad they brought the damn move back because right. yeah. Vince was like, he he didn't want him to use it anymore because it was something that a brother could do to a sister. He was like, I could see Shane doing it to Stephanie when they were young. Nah, Bro- we can't do it. <laughs> Brothers have five sisters all the time. People like all sorts of things happen to brothers and sisters. We we that's just what we do. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. So Kurt Angle and Constable Corbin are in Roman's locker room. He and Kurt informs Roman that Roman has been asked to vacate the premises. Corbin calls the cops in to escort him out. Corbin is having a good chuckle when Roman passes and wallops him with the right hand. Yikes. Oh, that was that was the coolest thing Roman's done in about six months. <laughs> so Dasha interviews the B team. Bo says the B and B team stands for dream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they talk 
Hey, what's worse, that or the meow? The meow was worse. The meow was infinitely worse. <laughs> they talk and talk. The leaders of worlds appear. Bray does a spooky promo talking about dreams and nightmares. Matt mm-hmm. says they will haunt the B team until they are deleted. deleted. I love, I love them. The I revival appear. They say they didn't understand a word of what anybody just said, and they wonder how four buffoons are atop the tag team division. They tell everyone to step aside, which the B team happily do. But Bo gets shoved into into Dawson, and a brawl begins. So when we come back. It's the leaders of Worlds versus the Revival. Match, match, match. Revival get the victory with a shatter machine on Bray. One Seth Rollins is interviewed. The good guys. Seth Rollins is interviewed backstage during the interview. Dolphin Drew blindsided him and beat him down. So uh, what people are calling the boss and hug connection. That's so the weak. Squad. That's so weak. Huggy lovers would have been much better. Huggy lovers? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It's not my place. Bailey hits a pretty good avalanche Frankensteiner. Uh, but they, they eventually get the victory when Bailey gets a belly to belly on Liv. Paul returns to Brock Lesnar. He says the show's almost over, and before the two adjourn to the steakhouse, Brock should come out and take a bow. He mentions that Roman has been removed from the arena, to which Brock asks if he's gotten paid. Paul says yes, and says that he knows he has a contract with him and he appreciates it, but if Brock doesn't come out to it, Angle is going to fire him. If Angle fires him, he can't do his job. He asks him to come out of the ring, and if for no other reason than the fact that they are friends. Brock grabs Paul and informs him that they are not friends, and Heyman works for him and not the other way around. He wants to know how long Paul has been leeching off of him and orders him to march his ass out there and do his job. Kurt his and Constable... job is huh? to leech off of Brock. Yeah. What do you mean? That is, that is his job. <laughs> uh, Kurt and Constable Corbin come out and Angle demands Paul produce Brock. Paul comes out and does a sad version of his spiel. Kurt calls Brock the worst Universal Champion of all time. For the record, there have only been four. Five if you count our man vacant. But no one does. No. The two talk. Paul tries to butter up Kurt. Butter up to Kurt. And Kurt does what he said he was going to do and fires Paul. Paul falls to the floor in his spirits, begging, scraping, all that good stuff. Brock appears and a huge grin comes over Payman's face. He asks Corbin and Angle if they have a problem before they can answer F5 on Angle. <laughs> Corbin runs away. Uh, Paul and Brock stand there. Brock grabs Heyman and puts him down to the mat. Brock eventually lets him up as the crown chants, We want Roman. Brock Lesnar. Is not coming out here tonight. All right, enough, enough. Listen to me. Let me explain to you what a real champion does. He shows up. He defends his title at all costs. He goes the extra mile for the WWE Universe. He does things for charities and communities. Brock Lesnar does none of that. Brock Lesnar has to be the worst Universal Champion of all time. I tried! I tried in your name! I tried all night long! 
should respect any single one of you. But I respect you. I think the world of you, Kurt Angle. As a matter of fact, I'd like to have a better working relationship with you. Your contract is now terminated. You're done, Heyman. You're finished. Get the hell off me. Get off me. Please don't me. That's embarrassing. I kind of feel bad for Heyman. Wait a minute. The Beast is here. Brock Lesnar. I thought Paul Heyman said, and Paul Heyman coming out here. is relieved. You got a problem with me? You got a problem with me? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Lesnar with an F5 to our general manager. Kurt Angle didn't even do anything. And Constable Corbin wisely stepping out of harm's way. I don't even think the Constable's safe from the Universal Champion. Brock Lesnar has been in a mood all night. I guess that was a rhetorical question. this together, aren't they? Oh, no! What are you doing? No! You're hurting me! You're hurting me! Look at him! You're hurting me! See that? Yes! I can't breathe! Brock, I can't breathe! Brock, I can't breathe! Brock, I can't breathe! I can't breathe! So one thing to mention here, Braun Strowman is a liar as he and Brock were on the same show together and Brock did not get either of Braun's hands. Oh, this is true. See, another thing, another hole that somebody, if they had somebody really paying attention, could have been like, oh, Kevin Owens took the briefcase and kept going, got jumped in a car and Braun Strowman is chasing after him. That's the reason why Braun Strowman didn't no, well, It's the commentary, it's commentary job. Yeah. How about just the, how about show it? How about hey, hey all they do? Yeah, you, you took all they do now is just argue with each other. Now, if you if you listen to the sh- if you listen to the commentary, they just like talk and complain. Oh, yeah. just, if you're gonna write Kevin Owens coming down there and taking the briefcase, go ahead and finish it. Take that that one it's thirty. It's all it takes is like forty five more seconds. You're asking him, for you know, way too run, much. <laughs> you have him run out to the parking lot, and, and Braun just like gives up because he can't outrun a car, and he's got his briefcase right. Yeah, so he finally maybe like grabs something, maybe one of those little golf carts or something. I don't know. Somehow he he, he goes after him. Right, exactly. That's all. You know, just that one little. But extra even if you're not going to show it, at least have 
commentary mention it. Oh yeah, something. Yeah, there you go. You're asking for way something. too much. They're leaving it open so they can retcon anything in later. Right. This is a Star Wars, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so Tatiana, I think we've at our uh, we've got our time limit draw with you this evening. So unless you want to give them five more minutes. Uh, I could give you five more minutes. All right. We're going to go All into right. SmackDown from Tampa, Florida. Becky comes out. She says that she can't believe that it's been since two, December 2016 since she's been the champion. And she hasn't had a title shot in 18 months. She says she's honored to get back in there and to get the title shot. She says she wasn't born to be a champion. She fought to become a champion. Becky wants to win the title and go to Evolution as the champion. Carmella arrives and says normally she'd make excuses, but not tonight. She said Becky beat her fair and square last week and earned her title shot. Carmella then brings up Evolution, and they said they have a chance to represent every woman that ever competed in WWE. Carmella says she feels like a failure and says that they should support each other. Carmella says that she's jealous and she's always been a step behind Becky. She said Becky always has time for her and gave her advice, and Becky was the first draft pick and the first champion for SmackDown, while Carmella was last. Was the last. Not the last Overall. woman, but last. <laughs> so, you know... Carmella says the fans love Becky, and she admits that they don't like her or think that she should be champion. Uh, Carmella tries to fight off the haters, and the legends have even told her to go away. Carmella constantly has to tell them that she earned this spot, just like Becky does. Carmella says she looks up to Becky and wants to tear the house down with Becky at SummerSlam and wishes her good luck. Ellsworth music hits, and that distracts Becky, which allows Carmella to lay her out. So Carmella's attacking Becky. And then she gets a chair when Charlotte Flair in her 17-inch heels runs down the aisle, <laughs> gets in the ring, and gives Carmella a Samoan drop, and Carmella runs away. Wow. Uh, yeah, this was a really good um, switcheroo heel tactics by Carmella. I really like the, uh, you know, truthfulness in the promo because, I mean, she really laid it out there like, they always told me I was going to be a manager. I could never be a wrestler. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you love those peaks of realness in there? Right, right. And then someone gets someone and dropped. It always happens like that. It's like, go ahead, tell the truth. Get slammed. So, the Usos, they cut a promo on tonight's match. Oh, you, you missed out when Paige was backstage. That happens after the, that happens after the promo. The Usos cut their promo with the bar, then we come oh, back that's, after the commercial. Yeah, yeah, I completely just forgot about that. Uh, yeah, you must have got that Hulu edition. Uh, <laughs> Carmelo meets with Paige, and they argue, and Paige books her in a match with Charlotte for later tonight. If Charlotte wins, wanna... the SummerSlam match will become a triple threat. I just want to point out that Paige is backstage playing with her phone like Kurt Angle does. <laughs> uh, I liked it when Carmella was like, you just mad that I'm going to be something you're never going to be again. And that's the women's champion. And that's why Carmella was got, I mean, Paige got pissed and was like, well, you got a match with Charlotte. <laughs> she didn't have anything <laughs> better to come back with. Yeah. She's right, though. The Usos versus The Bar. SmackDown Matters Tag Team Tournament Match. Jay hits a splash for two on Sheamus, but Cesaro makes the save. Cesaro gets dumped, and the Usos look for the double ooze, but Cesaro cuts off one of, them, one of the Usos with a mean European uppercut. Sheamus gets the knees up on the splash, and then cradles the other Uso for the win. So the Usos get eliminated, and it will be the Bar versus New Day next week. Cesaro about to take a trip. To the Uso penitentiary, but oh, veteran maneuver. Cesaro wisely gets oh, out of the ring. But is Cesaro safe? Look out below! Oh. And Sheamus saved 
knocks this off. I took the damage. What a heroic deed. Oh. Great teamwork by the bar. Yeah, but great awareness by Jimmy Uso, who's still on the move. Off the super kick back inside the ring. Cesaro all out of sorts. The two legal competitors in this match. Off the crossbody, hook to the leg, oh. and a kick out. Splash! Cover! Oh, and Cesaro breaks up the cover. It doesn't get any closer than that. No, 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 Remember, the winners of this tournament get a tag team title opportunity against the Bludgeon Brothers. Tag is made. This could be Summer it right here. This could be it. Uso's looking for the Hail Mary. And they shut down the bar from the top. Think about oh, what an uppercut. Oh, my gosh. Oh, for the splash. And Sheamus blocked it. Cover. And the bar advances. understand what this means guys next week here on smackdown live it's the new day in the bar in the final for a chance to so face I, the Bludgeon brothers i have the alternate audio thing on my tv and i want to know how i could get the new day commentary because it was way better than than the regular commentary you know how the new day was out there doing their own thing yeah yeah oh they, you they, have the, oh you have that audio no i'm joking i wonder oh. i'd rather hear new day <laughs> do their commentary over the uh, Usa, the uh, New Day actually came out with their own announce table set up with like yeah. bootios and pancakes on it, and so they had oh their own God. set their, their own like headsets yeah, their and own everything. Going. Yeah, so they had their own commentary going, and they would kind of fade it back in and and for like give the New Day for like thirty <laughs> seconds a minute, and then yeah. they fade it back over to the regular commentary team. It, it's amazing. The New Day comes up with something to top what they did the week before every week. It, it's just an unparalleled streak of awesomeness. And that's what I mean when I when I say innovation. If you can you can still fit within a certain parameters, but like still be innovative within that frame. You can still do things that are creative. I mean, WWE creative. Are you listening? Really, Renee? She talks with Charlotte. Charlotte says she's happy to be back because this is uh, her first match since um, having not one but two ruptured implants. Uh, Charlotte. Yikes. Charlotte says she knows Carmella has beaten her twice, but the Queen is back to take her throne. Woo! So we get Samoa Joe. He comes out. He takes a seat in the ring on a stool. And he says he sent AJ a message last week. And AJ should be familiar with that. Joe says that he respects AJ and the house that Didi Jonet built. He said that he respects AJ has done all the things that AJ has done to make the title important. And the grind that AJ has put in to becoming a champion. Even if it means sacrificing his family. AJ told a lovely story about his daughter last week. But Joe says he's barely home to spend time with her. AJ is more comfortable on the road than being at home, being a husband and a father. Joe says he understands the sacrifice, even if it meant being a failure as a father. Joe says he's coming and he will take it all from AJ at SummerSlam. The fans will be cheering for AJ, but AJ's family will be cheering for Joe so they can have their daddy back. Damn! When does SmackDown become like a Lifetime movie? My God. <laughs> uh, Samoa Joe with another primo promo. I bet you the, in his back pocket he had some things to say for Roman that he's saving for the paper. <laughs> he's the only... You know, the, you're the ones that he just thought of like earlier after watching Raw. I don't know if he is like whoever 
is his assigned person, if they sit down together and come up with this, or if Joe just kind of freestyles it once he gets in there. But he makes everything sound much better than anybody else. Joe would go, Joe would go more off script than anyone else. You think so? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of always had that about him. Like, I know, I know you didn't watch Impact back in the day, but he, he, he really, uh, he really had some heat. He really threw out the heat with his promos. Well, he's definitely been doing it here on SmackDown and, and, and on Raw ever since that, you know, Roman and then the Brock programs. I mean, he's just been bringing it. J- Jeff Hardy arrives and he calls out Randy Orton. Jeff puts over the U.S. title as a part of his life force. Jeff says when he lost it, he lost a piece of himself. Jeff says he his wants to. His fifth eye is his life force. That's what he said. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He calls the U.S. title his fifth eye, which is his life force. What? So where do you get? So I guess the other two eyes are the ones that he Draws paints on, on him. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which, I, which I'm hoping one day he runs into a barricade, walking around with his eyes closed like that. <laughs> Jeff says he wants the title back, but that's almost as important to him as beating the hell out of Randy Orton, and he calls Randy Orton out. Orton arrives, and just as he arrives, Nakamura sneak attacks Jeff from behind and kicks his ass. Orton cuts Nakamura off, and they have a stare down. Orton then allows Nakamura to consult Jeff and they have another stare down. Nakamura <laughs> bails out of the ring, and Orton then teases an RKO, but instead he gives Jeff a double leg and he stomps away at him. Orton then hits a draping DDT. Orton then hits another draping DDT on the floor. Orton then rips off Jeff's armbands and his uh, necklace, and then Orton spills water on him and wipes off some of his face paint. And you could hear Jeff Hardy on the table say, My mama gave me that chain. <laughs> Can I say I just love this version of Shinsuke? I, oh, yeah. I mean, oh. I mean, it's just fantastic. It's incredible. It really gives him range to really show off and and be able to expand his whole his whole I guess really acting repertoire. Really, so I love it. Renee, interview. so oh, excuse me. Go ahead. So does it, does it seem like maybe they're sitting up for uh, some old good old Will of the Wisp? Oh. Since, they, since they're basically stripping all of like. His gimmick, current gimmick. Oh, you think Randy oh, uh, it's weed is coming through, or um... yeah, weed with three e's. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know, man. You know, Jeff Hardy always wants to be a different character than himself. So, if we, could, if we hey, could Tatiana, get Tatiana, did you see this character that, that he came out with named Weed? Weed with, yeah, the with three, three e's. Three e's. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you should have seen this. This is like the weirdest thing ever. Oh my gosh, I gotta look it up now. Renee interviews Becky about Charlotte being back and hey, uh, hey, how she, yeah, how she may get into the SummerSlam match. Becky doesn't seem so thrilled about the possibility of a triple threat, but she says she won't root against her best friend. So, Tatiana, um, I see it this time. You gotta head out? Yes, I do. Alright, so thank you for joining us. Let everybody know again where they can follow you on the social medias and the podcast and everything. Absolutely. You can find me at Tatiana King on the, all the social medias, most of the social medias. And you can listen to me on Fan Bros Show podcast, the geek culture and pop culture podcast from the perspective of people of color on on pretty much every platform you can get your podcast. And thank you guys. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Sam. I had a great time. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Hopefully That's we can good. have you back soon. Oh, absolutely, man. Have a good one. Thank you. Peace out. All right, so you were doing with the Renee Young interview or something? Yep. So next up, we got a match between Zelina Vega. Oh my god! And Lana. This, this was. Did, did I ever tell you about the uh, K 
Tammy versus Naomi match for main event that I that I witnessed in person. The one where uh, you said that uh, Cameron was very, very, very bad, and Naomi was good, but it couldn't overcome how bad Cameron was. No, this is this was a dark match at a show that I saw. Um, it was I, I I don't even notice the wrestling. I just noticed the two of them in the ring together. It, it was amazing. And uh, <laughs> oh, are you yeah, I remember I remember at one point Cameron bent over like Naomi like kicked her in the seat. It was great. Oh, it, was, it was just a. Uh, Two beautiful writhing women in the ring. I don't know. Yeah, it's very creepastic. But oh, it, yeah, this had nothing this, to do uh, with the actual. It had nothing to do with the actual wrestling. No, <laughs> but this kind of this uh this is right up there. Talent talent comes in many forms, Sam. So exactly. I understand. Uh, but although I will have to say that Zelina Vega, aka Athea Trinidad, Trinidad is actually an accomplished wrestler. She oh was, yeah, she can go. When she was a knockout, she was the knockout tag team champion with Sarita. She was also in Shine. She actually held her own against some of the women on that roster. That is a stacked roster. So, um, yeah, she's actually she's actually very accomplished. Lana, on the other hand, is not. <laughs> but she did a Lana Rooney, though. That was kind of hot. Oh, my God, really? Lana hits a double knees and covers for a two. Lana then hits a back elbow, but Cian Almas distracts her. And then Aiden English arrives to take out Cian Almas. That allows Zelina Vega to roll up Lana with a handful of tights, and Zelina Vega gets the win in her SmackDown Matters wrestling debut. So, I'll take it. Yay. The Bludgeon Brothers cut a promo on the New Day in the bar, promising whoever wins, they will get bludgeoned. We see Aiden English in the back. He's trying to apologize to Lana, but Lana tells him to, you know, scram. Rusev arrives, and he is pissed. Then Lana tells Rusev that he needed him tonight. And she leaves. He was hollering for Aiden, and Aiden was already gone. <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, he knew that Rusev was going to be pissed, so he was booking it out of there. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, Daniel Bryan comes to the ring. He comments on the women's evolution. He says that it made him feel good. Of course he does. It made it feel a lot of pride and feel good for Bree. He says that, you know, it was their 30 second yeah, match the- that got the whole hashtag going. And Oh, my God. Revisionist history. <laughs> led to all of this. He says they have both fought for respect, and the announcement was a huge step forward. Then he addresses last week's issues with The Miz. Brian says that he's bothered. Miz taunted him for years because Miz knew that he wasn't cleared, and Miz thought that he was safe. But now, he used it as a wall against him. That's what he said. Right. Now Daniel Bryan is cleared. He says Miz's protection is gone, and he's used his wife and what he thought was his child to protect him. Brian says that he would destroy The Miz in a fair fight. So he challenges Miz to come out and prove him wrong. Of course, Miz appears on the screen and says that he isn't that this isn't the Indies, and Brian has to prove himself worthy. Miz hypes his reality show and says that he's not even there tonight. Brian doesn't care about this bullshit and he wants to fight. Dan Brian calls him a coward. Miz brings up talking smack and says that Brian walked away from him because all he wants is conflict to further his career. Miz claims that he's carried Daniel Bryan since NXT. He said he made him famous in 10 minutes. Brian says that he is about passion and not fame. Brian says that the the reality is Miz will never be The Rock or even John Cena. No one will will remember you as a great because you are soft. Brian says if Miz wants to be something big, he wants to challenge him to a match at SummerSlam. Miz runs down Brian for riding his coattails and says the Yes movement is over and his career is over and everyone has moved on. Miz says, just let your contract expire. Let it expire so you can go entertain dozens in the armories and bingo halls. (laughs) Yeah, in high school gyms. 
he tells Brian to just go away because all these people see a baby when they look at Daniel Bryan. And then we get a montage of babies on the screen with crying sound. Uh, again, the Miz and Daniel Bryan just stoking the fires for what's going to be one of the high profile matches at SummerSlam. He's better step it up as wrestling wise. Cause yeah, Daniel Bryan's going to bring it. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure the Miz will step up too, man. The Miz has gotten a lot better in the last, you know, couple of years. It was his entering hmm. main event time. Carmella versus. I'd like, I'd like to point out that Becky is watching the, watching the TV screen improperly. Improperly. She's tilted to the side. She's tilted to the side. I'm like, what the? I thought we were, I thought we just, we've been over this. What the hell? If Charlotte wins, Charlotte will be in the SummerSlam title match. Charlotte cuts off the super kick, but Carmella uh, hits it on a second try for a two count. Carmella looks for the figure four, but Charlotte counters it, and she gets the figure eight, and Carmella taps. Top for the moonsault. Oh, and it looks like the boots just grazed the jaw there of Charlotte Flair. And Carmella tossing Charlotte outside. And again, Charlotte's not been in competition in about a month and a half. Well, listen, as much as Charlotte perhaps might be a step slower right now, you got to think the longer this match goes, the advantage may shift to Charlotte. And if Charlotte gets counted out right now, there goes her opportunity at SummerSlam right out the window. Count of five here. Charlotte trying to get back up to her feet along the ropes, and Carmella keeps her outside. That'll break the official's count. It's going to restart the count, but... Carmella bought herself some valuable time stalking the queen. Oh, went for the kick. And Charlotte Flair, oh, thought about the boot. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, and caught up and sent oh, into my. the barricade. Great offense from the champion. And now Carmella trying to inflict as much punishment as possible. Oh, this is genius. Sent into the timekeeper's area. Scrambles back to the ring. Why is it the referee counting? Oh, he, he is now. He's got to be on about four or five by now. Carmella content to take a count out. Of course she is. Flair. Look, I'm not going to fault the game plan for Carmella. It's smart. Count of five. What champion would want a triple threat Charlotte match? Flair is still in the timekeeper's area. Hops the barricade. He's got to hurry. Trying to make it to the ring. Dives inside and beats the count. And there's Carmella right on top. Right into a barrage of right hands from Mella. Into a cover here. Shoulders pressed to the canvas and a kick out. Now looking for the cover. Shoulders down on the champion. Kick out of oh, one. Hello. Trying to set up for the figure four here. Great ring awareness by Carmella. Gets to the bottom rope and gets outside. And Charlotte definitely frustrated. Now remember. Oh. oh. Charlotte not wasting any time. Yeah, but Charlotte Flair knows she has to defeat Carmella. All Carmella has to do is stop uh, Charlotte uh, Flair from winning. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Going up on the barricade here. And look at Charlotte Flair with a moonsault. A bit of a glancing blow. It was enough to put Carmella down, but can Charlotte capitalize? Compose yourself, champ. Here wait, we go. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Going for the figure oh. four on Charlotte. And now Charlotte. Trying to get the figure four locked get in here. Get to the ropes, Mella. Get to the ropes. Pushing to the figure eight. It's in steel. Charlotte's going to SummerSlam. Here is your winner by submission. Charlotte Flair! Boy, it looks like Becky Lynch isn't too happy. Streaming live on the WWE Network. It is a triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's title. Carmella does not have to be pinned or submitted to lose the title in Brooklyn. So 
that means that the SummerSlam main event will be Carmella. Charlotte so when, when Charlotte, when Charlotte did that dirty insult, um, she Carmella didn't take it right, and she just looked really, really goofy and awkward. <laughs> well, I unfortunately like he was, was like he does not look happy at all. Yeah, she looked this. pissed. I, I was I was hoping that we wouldn't have a multiple person or team match at SummerSlam that everybody yeah. would just get a just like, have a one on one yeah straight up match, but they had to figure a way to throw it in there. But, so, um, so the question, the question now is, did Charlie come back to stick herself in the match, and, and this is like her her plan, or was it just like a weird coincidence? Like commentary like keeps on bringing up how they're best friends, and right. like if it's a prelude to a heel turn or something. Yeah, for the millionth time. Yeah. Well, I mean, Becky's such a good baby face. I don't, I don't think they should turn her. They should have Charlotte. No, I'm talking, do about, the, I'm talking about Charlotte. Oh yeah, yeah. They should have Charlotte play Becky like Becky's Sting. Yeah, Becky hasn't like she needs a better she, she needs to choose her friends better. <laughs> really, but the show the show was, it was okay. I mean, Samoa Joe brought the heat. Uh, Daniel Bryan did his thing. That tag then, team match was really good. Yeah, there were only three matches on the card. Exactly. But, Don't have to yeah, I guess it was cool. Just a reminder, the WrestleCast is being brought to you by the CSPN. You can find us on the web at CSPN.us. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Plus, and iTunes. So, Sam, you want to get into a Lucha Underground this week? Yeah, I haven't watched this show since like maybe like early season three, so I have no clue what's going on, but I'll try to I'll try my best. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> As soon as the page loads, come on. Um, get a good setup to start off. Cause I like the little opening that we had. Okay, no. all right. Go go ahead with the opening. Oh, just uh, uh, they were showing the Mac and and uh, Big Rick because you know they're supposed to be cousins and they're out there just chilling, you know, enjoying each other as cousins do. All right. Okay, so we got the start to the actual show because they showed a recap, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so Daga versus PJ Black. I know right away that PJ Black has really stepped up his game. Daga is a pro to a few. Black executes a lot of submission maneuvers, weakening body parts. However, it is Daga with the wrist locks, wrist lock crucifix maneuver that gets him the win after PJ taps. Cobra moves, slithers into the ring, and Drago appears along with Vibora. The reptile tribe begins to feed. However, what I call the wild stallions come out for the same. When did they become faces? Worldwide underground. Um, wild stallions. Johnny Mundo, man, you can't hate Johnny Mundo. It's just, it, but this season right here, they just popped up and the crowd was just all cheering okay. them. Uh, Ricky Mandel, who is now the intern, is now known as Ricky Mundo. He, uh, he, he comes out with a comedy spot when he bumps into Vibura. Cobra Moon grabs a mic and tells Mundo that he cannot resist. The Reptile Tribe is in his future. They go back and forth. Cobra says that next week the two factions <clears throat> will meet four on four and will rip the reptile tribe win if Johnny becomes theirs. And if Johnny somehow wins, Cobra will grant any wish he wants. What of his wishes to go back to WWE? Oh, man. <laughs> so the trio's champions are in the locker room. Oh, actually, just the Mac. The Mac is in the locker room. Katrina appears in front of the Mac. She says that he crossed Mil Mortez and Mil Mortez does not forget and he will be coming for him. Uh, the Mac basically tells her to bring it on. Uh, Katrina makes mention of the Mac's cousin and then leaves and then a skull with an eye patch smoking a cigar appears in one locker room. 
the man just says, oh shit, Big Rick. <laughs> I thought that was really silly, but I guess. This is your chance to see Katrina in that red dress. Oh my god, that was so amazing. Now you've seen it's an, it's an every week thing? Oh yes, that's her, that's her look for this year. Oh. Jesus. Uh, Dragon is sick of juniors in the ring. He says that last week was the most difficult match of his life, but it took him to his biggest moment winning the gift of the God's title. He says he plans to cash in his title and win the Lucha Underground title. If he does not win the title, no, no, if he does not win the title, he will be dishonoring his tribe and his mask. He will be a fighting Gift of the God's champion, and he awaits any and all challengers. Uh, go to commercial. There's a commercial for the I Spit on Your Great Marathon, which I'm kind of looking forward to. I don't know if you ever watched those movies. Never heard of those movies. How dare you? No, uh, the first one they made there was it was an original one in the seventies. It was one of those like I don't know. It's like one of those grindhouse exploitation movies. movies. Oh, okay. It's kind of a grindhouse movie. It was like an exploitation movie of like uh, a woman, a uh, woman getting sexually assaulted and you know being like disrobed and like, oh you know those one of those kind of movies like the ones that uh, what's her name used to be in. Charlie's Angels girl. Yes, yeah, yeah, I got you. She was in a lot of those. But yeah, the Rabbit Tribe versus Kill. Well, anyway, they uh, in 2010 they made a remake and then they made sequels to the remake. But anyway, the Rabbit Tribe versus Kill Shot, Son of Havoc, and The Mac. For the trio, this was for the title, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt Striker and Vampiro's commentary is usually cringy, but this time they took away from a good match. Uh, the Mac is amazing to watch. So agile, so fierce. We see a cool Tower of Doom spot, which earns a holy shit chant. Ma Suerte gives Killshot a diamond cutter, but then the Mac turns around and gives Ma Suerte a stunner. And the Mac gives him a frog splash, but Killshot tags himself in as the Mac flies by. He gets the pin while staring down the Mac. Yeah, they got some dissension going on there between the Mac and uh, Killshot. So has the Mac left yet? And then when he made his, when he made his return, did they call it the return of the Mac? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Maybe no, if he no. maybe if he gets back into uh, NXT, he can the first uh, day he can he can play that. But he was just Willie Mac there, right? He was just or what was he? In? Yeah, yeah. He or did was, even did he even make it into the? No, he failed a he failed a physical or something. But uh, yeah, okay. yeah. He was gonna be a big deal, man. I, I, for some yeah, reason, I just right. see I just see him and Kevin Owens having some of the best matches together. Yeah, like watch some of his stuff. And if you ever get a chance, watch some of his stuff from PWG. It's really great. Uh, Brian Cage and King Cuerno versus you should have seen that that Cage that Brian Cage match at um at anniversary. It was pretty pretty with cool. Matt Sadell. Yeah, actually, yeah, I was I was really thinking Cage was just gonna get a hold of him and, and just put him down, but Sadell really held his own. Uh, Brian Cage and mystery partner King Cuerno versus Pentagon Dark and Vacant. Cage comes out and says he picks King Cuerno as a tag team partner. Pentagon comes out and says he needs no one, he trusts no one, because he has Cerro Miedo. Cerro Miedo. Cerro Miedo. I can't spell. What the hell? Who wrote this? <laughs> Pentagon opens the match with some killer leg sweeps. He does some moves on both men and seems to be in control. Cage gets a hold of Pentagon and he and Cornell start dropping top rope maneuvers on him, including his six superplex. Cornell works over Pentagon and ties in Cage. Pentagon super kicks both men, hits a flipping power driver on Cage. Cornell hits a thrill of the kill on Pentagon. He grabs his deer, pieces out, and leaves the ring, making Stryker believe he was just a hired gun. Cage finishes Pentagon with a Steiner driver, gets the 1-2-3. Two, 
He brings in a chair in the ring, sets it up under Pentagon's head, and then gives him a concerto twice. There, the show signs off with Cage lifting the title belt up. Uh, Johnny Mundo and Taya are doing their Indiana Jones, looking in ancient ruins, apparently. They find the Serpent's Lair, the Reptile Tribe, or two of the Reptile Tribe there, Drago and Vibura. Vibura supercase Taya. Johnny tries to fight him, but Vibura gets a hold of him, puts him in a sleeper, and it seems like that's all. As uh, a laid-out Taya watches, grabs her, went out and look up at she. She misspells that fucking word every time. It's with a G, not with a W. <laughs> uh, she grabs her bat, smacks Vibura in the balls with it. She grabs her Valkyrie sword, which apparently she carries around with her but never uses. And she says she needs to cut the head off the snake, and she does. The two leave. <laughs> uh, Mundo <laughs> looks at Drago and says, we were never here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding to the uh, death toll, we've had like... Um... At least one person die for like the last like four weeks in a row here, I think. Jesus Maybe even five. He'll just pop up as like another mass uh, character. Yeah. Uh, he picks up his Indiana Jones hat and just walks off. And that is your Lucha Underground. Uh, what do you think about it? That's a pretty good show. I mean, I mean, you know my original reservation for not wanting to watch the show anymore, right? Mm, I don't know. You might have to refresh me. It was kind of... It was the blatant man on woman thing I mean, it's one thing if you're having like an actual match but when you're having a man just go up there and beat the fuck out of a woman that really doesn't do it for me ah gotcha yeah they've toned it down a lot on that this year it hasn't been as much as the first couple of seasons were your girl Eva Lisa though last week she was in the mix you missed her she was in the, if you would have watched it the last two weeks you would have got to see her she's a, apparently a member of the Bloods now she comes out in all red everything but well, not, she, but not like Eva Marie. But but not like oh, Eva okay. Marie. <laughs> different already. Everything. Right, right. So that's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'll have to catch up on them. There's a site that I found that has like older episodes of everything. Gotcha. All right, so I'm gonna move on to NXT. We had Heavy Machinery. They started off against the Mighty uh, Miller Chopbox uh, Tucker Knight as he's trying to get back in the ring after he hit like this big cannonball. And then uh, the Street Profits arrive, and they start to party in the crowd. So that distracts the Mighty, and that allows Otis to tag in. He runs while Tucker Knight gets back in, and Heavy Machinery hits the compactor, and they get the win. Um, Street Profits, Montez Ford, the man, the man. Everywhere he goes, a party breaks out. So that's cool. Kind of um, set up a little bit of a conflict in their tag team division because the Mighty screwed um Tucker and uh, Big Otis over, and they got their revenge, and they also screwed over the Street Profits, so hopefully the Street Profits will be soon getting their revenge. We get Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven versus Matthew Knox and Brandon Taylor. Bate takes out Knox and hits an exploder and a running shooting star press. The burning hammer knee drop ends things, and after the match, Trent Seven says they are back. Trent apologizes for his last performance in losing the NXT Tag Team titles. Uh, Trent says he spoke with Steven Regal, and they have a plan. Tyler Bates says that the Undisputed Era tried to injure Trent and tear them apart. He says that they are on a mission to win back the NXT Tag Team titles, and they will get their rematch at TakeOver Brooklyn. Uh, the uh, Mustache Mountain have some sweet-looking satin jackets. They're like gray with their little logo on the back. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Hmm. Straight out of like 
four. Yeah, I was gonna say like something <laughs> but yeah, man, they look sweet. Uh, EC3 versus Kona Reeves. Velveteen Dreams music hits, and he arrives. Dream monologues and says EC3 can't get over Royal Albert Hall. Velveteen Dreams says that they can talk, and if EC3 is lucky, he can bask in the experience. So what happens is right. So of course, like when e, when uh, Velveteen Dream comes out, you know how all the stuff on the board and the lights go down and everything for his entrance. Right. So he talks, he talks, he talks, he talks. He does his promo and he's getting ready to walk away and he takes about two steps and he's like, oh, and he snaps his fingers and everything goes back to normal in the arena. The, the NXT comes back on the big screen. The lights come back up in the arena. It's pretty fucking cool. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, I was, I heard some music playing the other day and I thought it was Velveteen Dream's theme. Apparently there's an actual song that, that steals that exact same bass line. Oh, really? Yeah. Kona Reeves hits a Hawaiian drop and gets a near fall. Kona Reeves talks shit, and that allows EC3 to hit the TKO, and he picks up the win. After the match, EC3 is backstage. He says that he will join Dream at his experience, but it will end up in a fight. Uh, I'll give EC3 some credit. He also snuck in, uh, I'm the BDE of NXT. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, he got that in there. Obviously, their editors didn't know what it meant. Um, Shayna Baszler versus Candice LeRae. Candice gets a roll up for two. Candice counters the clutch and hits the unprettier. But Candice misses the lion salt. We get a PK by Shayna and the coquina or co- whatever clutch she calls it. The choke finishes Candice off. Baszler then applies the clutch again post match, and that means Kari Singh comes down to make the save. She makes the mistake of turning her back on Shayna Baszler. And when it happened, as soon as it happened, my Didi Jonay senses kicked in. And I was like, don't turn your back on Shayna. And as soon as I finished the sentence, <laughs> Baszler attacks her and bails as the refs hold Kari Sane back. Uh, let's see here. Mustache Mountain, they're interviewed about their upcoming rematch with the Undisputed Era. The War Raiders arrive and say that they will destroy whoever the champions are after TakeOver. Next up, the NXT champion, Tomasa Ciampa, arrives. He's ignoring the rude chants from the fans, and he talks to his NXT championship. He says that they are a beautiful couple, and that NXT is now his. Ciampa explained that he was a man of his word, and when he got his one chance, he won the NXT title. He's the most dangerous man in all of NXT. And then he gives the crowd some, you know, hard times. And then he talks trash to that old woman who harassed him after the first time uh, when he returned after uh, he turned on Johnny after all those months. Oh, we got a, is it the same stunt, Granny? Yeah, the old lady. Yeah. And then when he was walking away, she basically made the gesture that he was a short, that's short been like man. A, that's <laughs> been a, like a staple in wrestling for since like the beginning of time, the stunt, Granny. Yeah, but this was really good. He was like, I remember you. He's like, and I'm your NXT champion now. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, Ciampa says that the best part about winning the championship was that it proved that Johnny Gargano was, once again, a complete failure. Ciampa says he beat Aleister Black one-on-one. He killed the mystique of the former champion, and he's now the greatest sports entertainer of all time. Aleister Black arrives. And Ciampa takes a seat in the ring. But Johnny Gargano arrives and he blows past um, <laughs> um, Aleister Black walking to the ring. And he ends up chasing off Ciampa and noting that 
it's not Chiampa's NXT while Johnny Gargano's still around, and that the only reason Ciampa is the champion is because of him. He probably shouldn't have said that because Aleister Black kicked his head off and the crowd starts chanting, you deserve it, at Johnny Wrestling. Black <laughs> sits down next to a fallen Johnny and he agrees with Johnny and he says that it's all due to him that Ciampa won the title. Never, never in the history of this business has there been such a big gap between number two and number one. I'm the main event. I'm untouchable. And now, now, not only is this proof that I am your NXT champion, but this is proof that NXT is now and forever the A-Show because I, Tommaso Ciampa, just happen to be the greatest sports entertainer of all time. There's the former champion, Alistair Black. He's got something to say about it. Oh, the oh, Johnny Gargano ran right past Black and immediately attacks Tommaso Ciampa. Remember it's Gargano's obsession with Ciampa. He just won't let it go. That cost Alistair Black the NXT title and Gargano all over Tommaso Ciampa. The only reason you're NXT champion is because of me. Look at me. Look at me. The only reason you are NXT champion is because of me. The only reason he's NXT champion is because of me. Oh, 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 oh. It's like, oh my goodness. Last week after the championship match and the way they kind of ended with Johnny being in there and, 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 and hitting Alistair with the belt by accident, I was like, uh, I'm not really a fan of a three-way. Hopefully they can keep Alistair Black off to the side or something and let Johnny and Gargano just have, I mean, uh, Ciampa and Gargano just have this match one-on-one for the title. But now nah, they sold me after this right here. Yep, this angle worked. I'm all in. Yep, put Alistair <laughs> Black in there too. <laughs> The crowd changing on Johnny Gargano like that. Oh my gosh, so cold, so cold. Like, you know, like a month ago, he is like the biggest baby face in all of WWE. And then last night, it was like, you deserve it, you deserve it. So, and so, so, so they're doing the Billy on her, like the Billy reaction on Raw, right? So, very good. As far as you're a great, you were a great baby face, but now we just hate you. Very good setup um, on NXT for the next couple of weeks leading into uh, Brooklyn Takeover. So that was really. I think uh, I think Slammiversary kind of 
something happened in Slammiversary that makes me think that this feud is going to end the exact same way. The, um, the Eddie Edwards versus Tommy Dreamer match, mm-hmm. they kind of had a similar thing going on. And the way it ended, I'm going to, I think, WWE's going to rip it off. <laughs> well, you know, uh, what's uh, old to somebody else is new to you, so. Yeah, because like, yeah, no, like, they don't have the same reach, obviously. Right, right. Uh, before we get into the uh, shout outs and thank yous part of the show, we did. Well, I was have... going to do some. I was going to do some little bit of news. The news, yeah, good. that's what I was getting into. Never mind. Okay. So uh, we have some more entrance into the May Young Classic. But first of all, Jazzy Gabbard has confirmed that she will not be in the May Young Classic, and I'm going to cry. Yeah, that's a loss for sure. But uh, we do have three more names. Vanessa Craven. Have you seen this woman? She is huge. No, she's I, tall. I she's tall. She, oh my, Jesus! She she makes she makes Tessa Blanchard look like look like a freaking a hornswoggle. A, a Tessa Blanchard was looking like China when she did. I, folks, we had a oh, it's anniversary. It's anniversary. Yeah, no, she's no, no. really we we, oh. we 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 had a we had a we had a, 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 a I don't even know what you call it a breakthrough. I watched Impact the whole thing the whole two hours. And was entertained. I really enjoyed it. So I'm not gonna say it's gonna be an every week thing. I'm not saying it's gonna get added into the reviews. But yeah, they got some pretty good stuff going on. They got some non-scripted promos. That's really fresh. The backstage stuff is really good. But yeah, I man, Tessa Blanchard did a run in in the first match, and uh, when she hit the ring, she got this jet black hair. She had these really big heels on. She looked like China. It's like holy shit, she looks like China. She looks like well, China's body on Tully's face. <laughs> Because I, I can, that's the one thing I, I cannot get down with her in the creepy cast way because she looks just like her dad. You still there? Yep, I'm still here. I was oh, just letting that no, soak in. I thought you, you know, uh, no comment for me. No, I have nothing, nothing else. <laughs> uh, another. Uh, I want to. I want to send you this. Uh, another. Another awesome you, reason. Another awesome Wait. reason to uh, watch. Uh, Impact would be uh, Kira Hogan, and that's strictly for creep cast purposes. I remember how Pace Turner was like, "Wait, I've heard the beat before." Like I, I saw how good it, it how good it got. Um, Pace Turner was telling me like, "Why don't you watch Impact? Kira Hogan's on it." I was like, "Kira Hogan is not enough to make me watch that shit." <laughs> um, unfortunate for the wrestling world, we did have three deaths uh, since we recorded last. Uh, Nikolai Volkov. The you know awesome Russian heel mid south WWE in the eighties early nineties, um, Brickhouse Brown who was you know a territory wrestler back in the right. early eighties, yeah. and then uh, Brian Christopher aka Grandmaster Sexay of Too Cool, uh, Jerry Lawler's son. So just an unfortunate weekend in wrestling, as uh, you know three guys who you know were a big part of the business. Uh, left us too soon. So shout out and condolences to their family, friends, and the memories of them. So, um, Brian Christopher was awesome. Brian yeah, Christopher was so good. He was good even when he was like in USWA as like a kid kid. He was good. Especially as a heel. Yeah. You see that uh, on the Hangout? Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she is pretty big. She's tall. Yeah, she um, 
Yeah, Ariel Monroe is in it, who was one of, uh, I think she was Nia Jax's first. Uh, mm-hmm. The jobber. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's obvious that they were going to go with her. They've been kind of, they've been kind of. Um, they, around with her. What's the word? Yeah, kind of for a while. Yeah. And also, on top of that, she's married to, but she's engaged to Cedric Alexander. So. Right. Right. So, uh, more interesting names. Uh, Caitlin is going to come back and be in this after she. Uh, oh, yeah, we mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. After Martinez is coming back. Nicole Matthews, who I really like, but I really liked her former tag team partner better, uh, Portia Perez, who uh, had to retire from wrestling because of her neck. Mm-hmm. So, Priscilla Kelly, who I've been touting for like a very long time, uh, she's going to be in it too. She's like basically a tall page. Okay. Uh, Deanna Parazzo. Yeah, of course. It's another one of their girls. It's another one of their girls. Io Shirai, Tony Storm making a return. Mia Yim. The one that I find the most interesting is uh, Madison Rain from Impact is going to be in it. Oh yeah, nice. Now, I don't know if she actually has a contract with Impact or not. Is it be interesting? Because like we were saying for a long time that like maybe they weren't going to let this person or that person in because they're under contract. So like it looks like. If she's if she's under contract, it looks like they just threw that out the window. I don't know. Well, the thing with TNA is I don't know if uh, as far as they're more contract contracted early. Yeah, I don't know about that. I just know that they have the freedom to go around to the right. other promotions and use their 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 whatever their name is. They don't have to. If you're Johnny Impact here, you can go to Lucha Underground and be Johnny Impact too if you want. Or you can go to PWG and be Johnny Impact. You don't have to change it up wherever well, you go. So. Gonna be in the uh, in the classic as under her real name Ashley Rain. Okay, well, you know, cool. So maybe she doesn't have a contract and she's just out there in the yeah. wilderness. So uh, your, your boy Big Cass has ticket <laughs> started taking a bookings as Big Cass Z's with the with two Z's. Oh God. <laughs> uh... Let's see, Beretta and Taylor are all in. Apparently, how many matches are going to be on this damn car? Everybody's all in. <laughs> it's going to be an eight-hour card. Well, man, it's going to be the indie wrestling WrestleMania. That shit might go six hours. Indie mania, right? Yeah. Uh, John Cena and Nikki Bella have officially parted ways. Cafe, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, your boy. Uh, Libertarian Glenn Jacobs is officially going to be is the yep. mayor in mayor in waiting. Yep, Knox and, County, and right? He had like sixty seven percent of the vote. Yeah, it's just kind of. Uh, I'll be I'll be hyped for this only because only the only thing is like for uh, I think Tharcudo I think he lives in Knox County from Twitter. Okay, this this guy's basically Mike Pence, oh, like goodness. the platform he's running under. Yeah, that seems to be uh, in vogue in the country right now, that type of policy. And people who are keen on that type of, uh, those type of methods and, and, and policies and laws. So, good luck to you, Darth Kudo. Oh, wow, Jushin Thunder Liger is going to be in the uh, the next ROH pay-per-view. Nice. In that super card of honor? It is, damn it, I just, death before this honor. Death before this honor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it looks like that's all I have. All right. So at this point, shout outs and thank you, sir. All right. Of course, shout out to Tatiana King for coming on with us. I've been waiting, we've been waiting to have you, her on for a very long time. 
shout out to Lady Nikki, of course, as always. Shout out to um, Classic. Shout out to you, Don, of course. And uh, the rest of the CSPN, DD, Greg, uh, Quantessential R, uh, Finn, all the usual hashtag crew. The one that, you know, the, the hashtag with us on the uh, on the shows. And that's basically all. Oh, shout out to High Heel Gamer on Twitter. And that looks like that'll be it for my shout outs. All right. I just let everybody know, please support the CSPN by becoming a Patreon member. You can go to patreon.com forward slash CSPN media and you can sign up to become a patron. Now, once you do that, you have a couple of options of which dollar amount you can use to support the podcast. If you just want to support us every week, you can just pledge a dollar. If you want to, um, you know, get exclusive content and listen to some, you know, pre-shows from Rapid Ram- Ratchet Ramblings, the Wrestlecast, Bad and Boozy, that's our next year. And that's $3 a month. And that comes with anything exclusive content that we will provide for you. So. Be on the lookout for videos. I'm going to turn Ratchet Ramblings, not Ratchet Ramblings, but uh, Bad and Boozy, hopefully into a video podcast. So with your $3, you get all that type of content each and every month. And you are a selected member of the Patreon and you support the podcast each and every month with your subscription. So please think about becoming an exclusive Patreon member of CSPN Media. I'd like to give a shout out to Didi and Greg. Unfortunately, they couldn't be here tonight. Give a shout out to Sam. And of course, a big shout out and thank you to Tatiana King for making some time for us tonight. Give a shout out to everybody who showed up in the Raw cast, everybody who showed up in SmackDown Matters, everybody who listened to Cast of Strong Style that we put out uh, uh, nights 8 through 11 of the G1. Some really good matches and a really fun podcast with me and Anwar Starwin. Um, and shout out to The Glow, shout out to The Wrestle Bays, shout out to Jace The Max, Angelina. Uh, y'all have a lot of fun in Brooklyn in a couple of weeks. Um, hopefully we can get some footage of y'all acting up and I put that on the Patreon for everybody to see the glow takes over Brooklyn and NXT. So that's going to be a lot of fun. What happens in Brooklyn stays in Brooklyn. (laughs) That's what it sounds like it's going to (laughs) be. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully they'll be sober enough to give me a little something that maybe we could use, but, um, I'm looking forward to that. So can't wait to, uh, hear their experiences, uh, from the takeover in Brooklyn show on the next WrestleCast after that event. So for my raw cast correspondent, Samuel Kalunga, our special guest, Tantiata King, I'm Don DeLorente. This has been episode 196 of the WrestleCast. Please stay tuned for the parting promo. AJ Styles. Now, AJ, what I did to you last week, well, that was me sending a message, and I think you're more than familiar with my favorite forms of communication. So I'm sure there's no hard feelings. Now, AJ, the truth be told, I respect you. And I respect the fact that you've made the title the most prestigious in the WWE. AJ Styles, I respect the grind, and I respect what you sacrifice to be what you are. You see, you put everything behind being champion. You put champion in front of friends. You put champion in front of your vices. You put being champion even in front of being 
member of your own family. Which I find kind of funny because last week, AJ, you came out here and you told me a marvelous, lovely tale about how now you can stare your lovely daughter in her eyes and you can say, you put your mind to. But AJ, I've known you a long time long time and I know the truth and the fact is you're barely home long enough to hug your child let alone look at her lovingly in her eye no no but it's part of the sacrifice you see you see AJ Styles the truth is in your heart you know you feel much more comfortable being on the road and living out of a suitcase than you ever have being a husband to your wife I understand, I get it. You, my friend, you have put being a champion above all else, even if it means you're a failure as a father. Yeah, it hurts, I know. But AJ, don't worry, because for all your sacrifice, for the fact that you work your fingers to the bone, the fact that you train like an animal to be WWE champion, I am coming soon, and I will take it all from you. Because the truth is, AJ, come SummerSlam, when the whole world is cheering you on to victory. Secretly, AJ, your family and their realest of feelings, they'll be cheering for me. After I'm done tearing down your house, after I'm done putting you to sleep, oh, your wife and kids, they'll have their daddy back. But I will be WWE Champion.